Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's, uh, let's pray first, and then uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, Lord. Father, we know that you see all, that, you, your, that your name is above all names, and it is in that name that we come before you. Father, I ask that you would help us, each, each, each of us, Heavenly Father, in and through this time, that we would hear your word for what it is, and that we would receive what it is that you are offering to us. Father, we thank you for those that are here, for those that may still be on their way. And we ask, God, that you would watch over each of us in this church. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so um, we are, I'm, I have a, actually the message today. Pastor White and Sister Lori obviously are not here. And we'll talk a little bit more about that um, at, after the uh, message is done. But um, I'm excited about the message that we have, and hopefully um, we'll all get a little something out of it that will help us down the road or may even be able to help someone else. So um, unfortunately, in this message, unfortunately it seems as though our people, and when I say this, our people, I mean people in this area, people that I live around because I live here in 70805, we seem to have traded many of our greatest attributes. Uh, we've traded out ver the very things that I believe has made us unique. And I'm coming from an angle of um, the area where I grew up and right now the area where I live. Um, when I grew up, there were certain things that just would not occur, that were not acceptable, that now are. And uh, obviously, uh, I've seen personally a decline because the neighborhood I live in now is not overly different. It's probably a little bit more progressive than the neighborhood that I grew up in socially and economically, but not that far. Um, so this was pressed upon me because I just started thinking like, Wow, how did we get here, okay? We, we, and I say we, not each person here, but we as a whole collectively. We cuss in front of our children and the elderly as though it's no problem. We walk over them, we don't speak. Uh, we have zero respect for our community or her people. Uh, every Sunday, we have to get outside and pick up trash that's thrown all over the place, that's blowing down the streets. I don't remember that growing up. Um, and then people, some, and not everyone, obviously, because obviously I live here and there's a bunch of good people as well. But I hear people saying things like, you know, trash in the streets, you know, your house is falling apart. And obviously, yes, yeah, some people may not have money to get their home fixed or, you know, make it bright and cheery. But we can always keep our things up. That doesn't take money to do those things, right? But I hear people saying stuff like, you know, it's how we do. What does that mean, and who is we? Because you're not talking about me. 
I've always heard that you can be in the hood, but not of the hood, right? So I, I don't get that mindset. I don't know where that comes from. That does not come from a vantage point of, I don't have money. So whether that's something that's been propagated on television, uh, videos, or whatever, I don't know. Within the last six months, I'm going to assume, you know, we've had two fights at our schools. So we're living in a time right now where no one, not even law enforcement, can tell us or our children what to do. Right down the street, there was a fight, a brawl at the end of school, and I heard people saying, well, the police shouldn't have handled the kids. There was a brawl. It wasn't one or two kids. All over the place, there was an incident of an officer who told the kid, hey, go over here, and the kid told the kid something. The kid told the officer, officer something, and I heard people saying that the officer should not have put his hands on that kid. Maybe not. I don't know. I wasn't there. However, when you give somebody a command as a police officer, they're supposed to follow it. We know that doesn't happen all the time. But then the kid, from what I understand, proceeds to try to jump the officer and starts cursing him out and all of this stuff. But still, he wasn't supposed to do anything, right? Is that where we are? <laughs> Is that what we're doing now? A couple days ago, this past week, there were two kids fighting at a school. I'll leave the name of the school's nameless. Uh, even though it was on the news. There were two kids fighting, and an officer jumped in to break up the fight. I don't, rem I don't know the whole uh, timeline of how this worked, but next thing we know, we have two kids beating up an officer. Yeah, beating up an officer. The officer was able to call for help, got somebody in to give him a hand, took the three kids off. So it was three kids involved, I guess, in the fights. Two of the kids, one of them hit the officer across the back of the head, knocked him down, but didn't get him unconscious, and he was able to call for backup. Many of us are believing the lies, again, pushed by this social justice movement. Many people in this neighborhood, many people across the country. And the social justice movement, the angle that they're coming from, is the example of the black experience that, you know, we went through slavery and reconstruction and then Jim Crow and the civil rights push and all of these things and we've been held down. Well, maybe there may be some truth to that, right? However, the social justice movement is kind of saying, you know, well, you have the right now to do some things and get your stuff back and by any means necessary, get it back. Well, what does that mean? Because I live in this community, and it's scary when I hear those type of things because, you know, evil does not look at race or ethnicity or any of those things. Once it's, once it's let out of the genie box, it's out there. And it doesn't matter who the stuff, who has the stuff then, whether you're black, white, or whatever your color is. It doesn't matter. I was in a Walgreens one day making some purchases, and I was just standing in line, minding my business, right? And so a lady walks in. She wasn't talking to me because I kept eye contact on her once I heard her conversation. And so she comes in, and she makes the comment. She says, man, I think people should be able to, you know, they got a lot of poor people around here. They should be able to come in, and if they need diapers, if they steal it, it's fine. These people got money. These people that own these stores have money. This was her conversation, and I'm almost verbatim. 
And so I'm just looking at her. I'm eyeballing her because I wanted her to eyeball me so that I could then give myself permission to get into the conversation. I really wanted to, but she never did. It didn't happen. So I'm looking at her. So I never got the eyeballs on me, so I never got a chance to address it. And there were a few people in line shaking their head. I was amazed. I really was. I was like, what is going on? Where does that come from? Do you not aspire to have something of yourself? And if you do, then surely you would think that you don't want somebody to think that way about you, that what you have belongs to somebody else because they're poor. Not sure. The Bible tells us we should offer and give to the poor. We do that in this local congregation. But as a rule, I've seen people walk and go, I go in the dollar store every once in a while. They'll just walk in and they'll steal stuff like it's theirs, like, like it's a charity, like it's, you know, going to, well, even Salvation Army, I think you got to pay a little money to get something out of there. But they just walk in, I need some soap. You can get some soap, put it in their pocket. So much so now that every time it comes on, you walk in, the people will speak to you just to kind of help you think that some eyeballs are on you. I don't know where that thinking comes. Well, I do know where that thinking comes from, but it's not ours, right? Many have become unreliable in our communities and aspire to be eternally entertained. No, you know, there's a saying when people go on jobs or when there's a boss and he's asking for people, you know, and want people to work. Now, on lower level, less skilled jobs, there's this mindset that says reliability is the best ability. I said that a lot of people are becoming unreliable. Reliability, not, not, not that you're good, but that you're reliable. And so the thinking is, if I can rely on you, at least I can say, okay, I know you're going to be here. We can work with you and build you up to be where you need to be. But we can't even get you to stay. And then some of those same people, and I'm not pointing, trying not to point fingers at people, but this is just the truth. I've experienced it, I've seen it, and I'm sure some of you have experienced and seen some of the same, whether you're in this room or listening via internet. But that mindset of those same folk that are unreliable, they just want to, they want to go to, their, their, the whole thinking is, when can I make it to the next concert? When can I go to live after five? What's next? What's the next party? What's the next this? What's not how I'm going to pay for these things, and then I do them. But I'm going to get it some kind of way, and this is what I'm going to do. Not a real good process for a community to grow. Money, fame, and power has become the altar that many aspire to bow their knee to instead of the cross and our Lord Jesus Christ that hung on it for our salvation. That's a scary synopsis for folk. Money, fame, and power being the altar that many aspire to, that we bow our knee to, that we have made our God money, fame, and power versus that of the Lord Jesus Christ who we aspire to. That is the new not the new God, but it's always been the God that the world has pushed, but we're seeing it more and more prevalent now. So today, we're going to talk about something that's far more weighty than money, fame, and power. The message that I have today is entitled Invisible 
inheritances, invisible inheritances. So what I'd like to do, let's go to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. And we're going to be in Proverbs for a good bit of this. So Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. And so if you don't have it, if you have it, say amen. If not, go ahead and read it and and, uh, move forward. So it says, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the the sinner, or the wicked, is laid up for the just. So when we're talking about an an inheritance, we're not just talking about cars or money or those things, right? We're talking about an invisible inheritance here that I'm speaking of. And yes, all of us, I would assume, that have children, we want to leave something physical for our children, some money possibly, some land, you know, something that they can put their hands on. But I believe it's much more important to leave those invisible inheritances. And so the first of which, well, I want to talk a little bit about some of the invisible inheritances that I've received. Now, this is going to be a little interesting. Uh, I'm going to start off with my grandfather. My grandfather passed in 1987. I was in Dubuque, Iowa at a basketball tournament, and I didn't know actually until I got back. My grandfather was born in 1894, somewhere around that time. So he was proud in 94 right before he passed. He was a few months away from his 94th birthday, if I remember correctly. Now, I was raised around a lot of people that gave me a lot of good information, and this is how you do things, and this is how, you know, you're supposed to live your life. My grandfather on the other end, not that he was, I didn't know him in that manner, but what I do know about him and did not learn until several years ago was that my grandfather had, like, Two families at a time, for for a time, should I say. And um, so I don't know the whole way that all of that stuff worked out, but obviously he wasn't doing something right in that situation. And from what I understand, my grandmother, my father's mother, she kind of set the board straight for me, like, you're going to get this right or I'm out of here. And so he got everything correct, and he was out of there. And I say all of that to say that even in the instance of what he did during that time, the Lord was able to come into his heart and help him change, definitely in that area, obviously, and get some things right. But it still left some some things that I didn't understand until a little bit later that um, has kind of perplexed our family for a while, right? But... I say that about him because even though he had that thing going on, he was able to find, not find Jesus, you know, he was able to come to God, ask for forgiveness, and move forward in his life. I remember his favorite song was Give Me That Old Time Religion. You know, he would always sing that whenever we were at church or whenever he would come to our house. I remember him singing that song. And he was a big guy. He loved to travel, uh, loved to do a lot of, getting out, and he reminds me a lot of my father. So I'm saying all of this because even in the direction that he took when he was younger, he, he was able to change that by the help of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He gave some wonderful things to my father, a great work ethic. I remember my grandfather doing a lot of work. 
I also remember being in his hometown just recently. Even though he's been dead since 1987, there's still, and he's an older guy, there's still people there that remember him and the things that he did, and they talk about it, and it's, it's pretty interesting to hear those things. It's also interesting to see many of the traits that my grandfather gave to my dad and that are still being handed down. So the inheritance that I've received through my grandfather, because the scripture says an inheritance from, to his children's children, so actually I'm my grandfather's, his child's child, actually, those things have also trickled down to me, a good work ethic, manners, being a man when things happen, get out there and take care of it, which I saw my father do. I try to do the same thing. So these are invisible inheritances that we want to give to our children and that we want to continue to pass on. So my grandfather's name was Willie Lloyd Sr. Obviously my dad, Willie Lloyd Jr. So our son, William, was named really after my dad and my wife's dad. And so as I went, I remember when, uh, before we, he was born and we were coming up with names and everything, that was the first thing that I could think of. Was, so people were saying, do you want to name him after yourself? And I'm like, no, I, I pale in comparison to my father and to my father-in-law because of the type of men they are. I'm trying to strive to be like them. So it was important for me to try to usher on those things that those guys gave my father and my father-in-law that I've learned so much from, those invisible inheritances, inheritances that I have received. So that's why William is named as he is after Willie Lloyd Jr. and Willie Lloyd Sr., right? And I pray that those things that he has given, that my grandfather gave me through my father that I now have, that I can continue to push those things, not only to my children, but everyone else that I'm around because that is the only way that our communities can grow, by having those type of traits. Work hard, be respectful, do what you're supposed to do. The next, next I wanna go, and we'll talk a little bit about this inheritance through Abraham. So I'd like to go to Genesis chapter 12, verse one through three. Genesis chapter 12, verse one through three. God promised Abraham an inheritance. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. If you have it, say amen. If not, I think she has it up, and I'm going to go ahead and read it. So it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou, shalt, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So we see here in this scripture that God gave a promise and an inheritance, basically, to Abraham. Now, his inheritance is much more physical. It's, I wouldn't say it's an invisible inheritance. However, for Abraham to attain this, he had to do something. God told him, hey, man, it's time for you to get out of your country, out of your father's house, and go to a different land. I'm going to show you something different. And in order for you to gain this inheritance, you have to faith, and you have to, you have, to have faith, and you have to do something. And so just the fact 
that I, I wonder, you know, as I read this and as I read this long time ago, just what Abraham had to be thinking, that, okay, God, I hear you, but one, I'm not ready to leave this country, even with the problems we have. I just believe it's, you know, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't know what Abraham's country was exactly like. However, I know that that would be very difficult for me to do, for God to say, hey, get your family, get everything you have, get your country, I'm showing you somewhere else. I would be like, what, Lord? What are you talking about? Do I really need to go do that? But Abraham, by faith, did this, and God gave some, some, some things to him. He said that anybody that curses you, they'll be cursed, and anybody that blesses you, they'll be blessed. So these inheritances that Abraham received, we still, we're seeing right now what's going on over in um, Gaza, in that area of the world right now. Those are results of, of Abraham, of the direction that he went in, which wasn't God's initial plan. Those are direct results of what is going on over there right now. You have the children of uh, Ishmael, which are the Arabs, and you have children of Isaac, which are the Hebrews, they're in conflict. And the Bible says that there won't be peace over there. So that's what we're seeing. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about what Abraham's promise was, his inheritance. And he inherited a lot. Abraham became very wealthy. Uh, again, it says that all families would be blessed on the earth through Abraham. Those things are still true. And it's a visible inheritance that we see that is going through Abraham. So the, the first invisible inheritance that I'd like to speak a little bit about is a good name. So we're going to move to Proverbs chapter 22. I told y'all we would be in there for a minute, 22 verse 1. And it's a short scripture. I'm going to go ahead and read it. If, if you, I'll give you a second to get to it. It's not long. It says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor. A good name is rather to be chosen, is to be chosen than, I'm sorry, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor. I already talked a little bit about my grandfather, my father, and my father-in-law. I believe that all of them have left a good name for me. I feel like all of us, man, woman, even if you don't have children, those that are around you, the only thing that you can give someone is a good name. If, 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 it's, it's not the only thing, but to give someone a good name is a great thing because there are names that I think of right now from my childhood that if you said that last name, and obviously I won't say those na last names, it conjures up bad things like certain name you put, okay, these people are brawlers. You know, they fight all the time, even if, even if it's not true. Some people almost, and I think Pastor White had a, a, a devotional that talked about a bad name. People would almost have to change their last name in order to get a decent start in the area that they live in because the name is so messed up. But the opposite is true, that if you have a good name, whether you're the brightest or not, you almost start off with a good start by having a good name. And there's some things that go into having a good name, how, what your, your work ethic, you know, how you work, um, your, your mannerisms. There are a lot of things that go into giving a good name. Your consistency, your timeliness, uh, 
just how you go about handling situations, how you go about talking to people, how you handle relationships. A good name is an invisible inheritance that is priceless. We talked about people coming to the altar of money, fame, and power, and wanting to do all those things like that. A good name supersedes that. It's much more weighty than any of those things. And so we should all be striving, unlike the things that we are seeing now in our community where we disrespect our adults and our children by talking certain ways in front of them, where we disrespect law enforcement, law enforcement, where we are pushing through things that are totally opposite, diametrically opposed to how God wants us to do things. You know, there's certain things God wants us to stand down on. And the Bible is clear. It says that in, in, in the Beatitudes, you know, there's a, time for every, there's a time for everything under the sun. That I'm sorry, not the Beatitudes. There's a time and place for everything under the sun. There's a time to fight. There's a time to be quiet. There's, there's a time for all of that. But many times we find ourselves when we should be quiet, doing things that we are talking when we shouldn't. And we just shouldn't because it messes situations up and it brings bad things upon us, right? So we want to keep a good name. It's an invisible inheritance that brings a lot for us personally, but also for our, our children and for our children's children. The next inheritance I'd like to talk about, we're going to move to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. And I'll read it. It says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Guys, I see so often just the disrespect that, and I don't say children have for their parents, but that parents actually have for their children. That parents have, they, they're disrespecting their children by basically not following those scriptures, by not doing what they're supposed to do with and to their children. And so basically, what I see is, is oftentimes when I'm working, I have parents come up, and I was talking to my wife about this. They come up, and it, it, it always just frustrates me. They come up with their child. The child may be four years old, and they're asking them, what do you want? And the child is looking at them like, I don't know. <laughs> Please make a decision for me. And then they're getting on, they start getting on, well, tell a man what you want. I'm like, she don't know. She can't read. Do you want this, 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 this? And I'm like, really? There's a time and season, for, again, for everything under the sun. It's time for you to make a decision for the child. Now, if your child is a big kid, then I guess you can. But even then, sometimes you need to just make a, make a call for them. But because many times we have bestowed this adult-type quality on our children, it totally confuses them. We, we bombard them with all kind of topics and things that they're just not ready to handle. And I think that as a society, not just in this community, but here in our country, at, at the very least, we have hurt our children by putting things before them that they're just not ready for. They're just not. And it hurts them in every area of their life. They're not ready to talk about sex at five and all of the crazy things that they're pushing on our children right now. They just want to, can we just let them go outside and run? Can we teach them the ABCs and one, two, threes as we used to do? But that's not what's happening. And even more so, 
we don't discipline as parents, a, a lot of us, we don't discipline our kids. Now, I remember growing up that pretty much, <clears throat> excuse me, pretty much anyone in my circle, in, you know, on my block, at my church, in the, uh, at the sports teams or whatever, they could discipline you. Now, whether it was spanking you or getting in your face or, you know, raising their voice at you or whatever, that was, not only was it acceptable, it was expected. Nowadays, that is, that's just totally lost. And I'm probably preaching to the choir for most of those that are here, but if you're not a part of, we're not a part of that community, things tend to run a little, tended to run a bit better than they do now. I've never heard or never remember ever hearing as a kid two juveniles beating up a police officer. That's just unheard of, or it was, should I say. It was unheard of. I never remember anything like that. But my whole point is, is that if we don't do what the word says, if we spare the rod, he that spareth his rod hateth his son. And that word hate means not as we use the word hate so much, but basically you dislike, you, you, um, you're, you're basically spoiling your child. You're hating, you're hating your son, you're spoiling, you're messing him up. You're messing up whatever, in their, in, and it, the word hate doesn't mean that, but I'm expounding. You are, um, that invisible inheritance that you get as a result of following the word, you're losing that because now there's a pretty strong chance because God doesn't give us these commands for nothing that your child is going to be behind because they can't listen to anybody. They don't understand what it means to do what someone else says whether you know them or not. But again, when, when we grew up, I remember many times, I remember catching a whipping from my pastor. Yeah, yeah. Now, we had a daycare there, and I don't know what I did. I, I do not remember. In fact, some of the stuff that they did back then would be considered, considered uh, child abuse, probably, uh, whether it's physical or mental. Um, so whatever I did, my pastor gave me a whipping, and he told my parents, and they were like, Give him the thumbs up. Yeah, get him again if you need to. And I remember in kindergarten, that's a long time ago for me, but we had, so if you did something that you wasn't supposed to do, and I don't know what I did, I don't remember, but I remember the punishment for what I did. So they had this room, and there was a big, like, uh, aquarium, or it, I don't know if it was an aquarium. No, it wasn't an aquarium, but it had some water in it, I guess it was kind of like an aquarium, and it had a big snapping turtle. It was about that big. And if you did something, man, they would take the kids and say, they get your finger, I'm going to put your finger in that snapping turtle mouth. And you'd be crying, you know, you're running, like, what? You're like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it again. But that's, <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess there's some good things about today, too. We don't do that anymore. But... You know, I remember that being one of the punishments, and nobody wanted to go to that room. You know, I mean, you, you knew if you heard kicking and screaming, they were about to bring them over to that room. Oh, I don't want the snapping turtle. But they would do that kind of stuff to kind of keep everybody in line. But we definitely got that invisible inheritance in this whole portion here that I'm talking about. That invisible inheritance was discipline. Oh, you got disciplined, and you got disciplined as a result of the discipline you got. I mean, it, it was, 
I, I remember not wanting to ever be around adults. Just didn't because, I, you know, if adults were talking during that time, you know, if you had two or three adults or, you know, I, my parents used to play spades or whatever and my uncles would come over and if they were doing whatever and the kids, we would have to go in the back. We couldn't sit around and listen to the adult conversation. And so if you were sitting there listening, they'd tell you, boy, you can go in the back, grown folk talking. That's how we were, grown folk talking, going to the back. You couldn't sit there and listen. I see some of y'all laughing, so y'all probably had some of that same experience. Grown folk are talking. So we would go in the back rooms and we would play. We couldn't close the doors. There was no such thing as your own room. Now kids, I got my own room. Your own room? What, you going to a hotel? You must be going... You did not have your own room because when I grew up, I slept in the room with my next to the oldest brother, and my oldest brother had a room for a while until my youngest brother came, and that kind of messed everything up. But the discipline that we had, you knew. Whatever you were doing in there, eyeballs were coming at some time soon. There was no such thing as, you know, I get to wall off and do my own thing. No, your thing was their thing, whatever they wanted you to do. Now we're living in a, in a time, and we have to be careful to protect our children and help them to recognize that, you know, you are under the authority of your parent and not the other way around. Because what we're seeing is a total flip, a 360, that is trying to allow children to have these authorities. Well, you know, if something's going on at school, the parents don't need to know. What is that? Uh, we don't want you to, really? No, it, that's not how that's supposed to be. So with, I'll put a plug in. For those that are raising children, you know, you, it, it's tough. But there needs to be either find a school where you know a bunch of people or keep your own child at home. It, it, that's kind of where it's going. And it's sad. But that's kind of where we're going. I remember uh, when my daughter was in middle school, I made a, I made a, uh, a comment to someone that was in leadership at the school. I don't know if it was the principal or the assistant principal. There were a bunch of kids cursing, and there were some adults cursing that worked there at the school, and this, that, and the other was going on. And when I made the comment, the comment they gave back to me was, I'm sorry, this is public school. So this is what goes on in the public. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go deal with that or tell them to pipe that down. Guys, we live in a time now where there, where, where this world mindset, when it comes to that, is pervasive. And so we have to pray, obviously, and build up enough courage to tell our children that this is not what we do. And even with that, we have to always, constantly, not cease praying because the outside forces are getting greater and greater that combat what we believe, right? So discipline is that second invisible um, that second invisible inher inheritance that we have. Um, so now I'd like to go to uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. It should be close to that one since we were right there in chapter 13. So I'm going to go ahead and read that one. It says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. By wisdom, we're able, by, I'm sorry, let me, let me start over on that. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. 
and with all thy getting, get understanding. We need, in every aspect of our lives, wisdom, especially now, because there's so much out there that can trip us up. We have to recognize that by imparting this to our children, sons and daughters, that it's going to help them. Again, keep them with a good name. By disciplining them, it helps them to stay the course and not get out of line with those that are in authority around them. And wisdom, which is the principal thing, it is the thing that's going to keep them. It's going to help them to navigate the way that they are trying to go. So I'm going to give you an example. So by wisdom, we're, we're, we're able to effectively apply understanding. That's what wisdom, it's one thing to have wisdom, but you need to have some understanding as well. So I'll give you an example of a, a situation. I had a lot going on, and I was just, it was a menial task that I was doing. And yeah, I have it here. I, I almost feel naked if I don't have it. I have my little pocket knife. And it's really not a knife, it's more of a tool. They call them Leathermans. So most guys that are kind of doing stuff, they kind of know what these are. But it has a lot of different tools. It's got like these little, this one's a little stuck. It's probably got some, something on there that doesn't allow it to work. But it's a Leatherman. It's a tool that, that I do a lot of work with because I do a lot of working with my hands. But one day, I was uh, trying to pull a plug loose. And obviously, I thought, hey, I just get my little Leatherman. It has different tools in here. I can pull it out. And I was going to pull this one here out and just pry the plug open, right? So it had an extension cord, another extension cord. I was going to pry it open. And then I thought about it. I was like, that don't make sense. So I understood that, um, that those two wires, eventually I understood that they were live. It didn't dawn on me in the beginning when I pulled my, my tool out. Otherwise, I'd be sitting here, could be sitting here fried up if I had made it through. But I was going to just... Unplug it. That's what came to my mind. But wisdom stepped in. I understood how to do it. I understood how to take the plugs loose. But then some understanding came like, hold on. That, that's, I understood how to take it loose, but wisdom came, should I say. And it was like, that's not going to work. That's not a good idea. That's kind of how wisdom works. You can understand a thing. You can do anything. But wisdom will, tell you, will, will, will usher in the direction you need to go. We pray and we receive the Holy Spirit. We, we, we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is constantly counseling us or trying to counsel us. But many times we miss certain things because we have not studied the word, we have not tried to understand it, or our prayer life may be lacking. And if we're doing that, then sometimes it's hard for us to make that connection where the Holy Spirit is trying to give us a thing, but we can't receive it because we're not hearing what the Holy Spirit is trying to, to, to tell us. It's being drowned out many times. So this wisdom that we get by reading and seeing, and some we get by living, but I think most of it we can get by reading, by observing certain things, by getting understanding, by talking to those that are around us that, um, that we respect, that we know have a wealth of knowledge. We can avoid many of the pitfalls that many times we, can, that we, we would walk in if we, uh, that we would walk in without wisdom. So the Holy Spirit is constantly telling us, don't do that, do this. He's constantly counseling us, even while we're going about, as I was doing that. 
you know, my mind was in seven different places. Here I am, got to get this thing loose. Got to go. I know what I'll do. Holy Spirit is like, uh-uh, that's lies. Wisdom popped in. Holy Spirit counseled me through that. So that's why it's important that we read, that we pray, and that we stay. Because things happen so quick. So quick. Your life is going along fine, and then bam, this obstacle. And even when there is an obstacle, the Lord is there. He's, he's given, he gives us wisdom through, through things. We have to stop, settle ourselves enough so that we hear him, that we gain that understanding, that we effectively apply the, get the wisdom and effectively, I'm sorry, apply understanding to what it is that we're doing or what we're trying to accomplish. It's no different than if you're trying to start a business or something. You don't just go out and say, hey, I like to fix on cars. Let me open a car shop. That's not how that's supposed to work. You may be great fixing on cars, but you may not know anything about all the other aspects that go along with running a business. Now, if you're great on fixing on cars and you want to do this thing, you may want to go and get more information about how to run a business. That's what wisdom will do for us. It will help us to link up with people that can help us in those ways. But it would be very unwise to just jump out and say, hey, man, I'm good at fixing them. I can take these tires off. I'm going to start a tire shop. Or, you know, I'm good at unconnecting these, motor, uh, these, these plugs. I'm going to start an electrical shop. You need more than that. You need some guidance. You need some help. You need some mentors, probably. You need to do a lot of talking. You do, do all of your, your prepping, your prep work for whatever it is, is what helps all of those things build on another so that when you do step into ownership of that business or whatever it is that you're doing, it tends to go in the direction and the way that you want it to go because you applied some wisdom first and, and you gained some understanding of how this stuff works, all these things work, and then you can effectively make it be what you call it to be. Um, the last scripture that I want to go to is Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Proverbs, verse 9 and 10, just a little bit further down the road from 4 and 7. And I think this scripture here kind of sums up what we're talking about here, these invisible inheritances and just some of the things that we have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, going on in our community. So it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Here we see that word, both words, wisdom and understanding again. The invisible inheritance of wisdom is one of the things that I believe we've lacked in our community and why it's running the way it is. And there are many other factors. I'm not saying, I'm not going to go into minute detail, but wisdom and a lot of things, just wicked or twisted thinking is what has kind of kept us held down. But if we have this, that fear of the Lord. And we're not talking about, oh, I'm just scared of God. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking of fear that he is able to cast our souls in hell, to kill us and cast our souls in hell. Yes, that's true. But more so, fear meaning a reverence of the Lord. A reverence of the Lord. That reverence is the beginning of wisdom. If we reverence him, we'll spend time with him. If we love him, I've always said that the way we spell we should spell love is T-I-M-E. Love should be spelled T-I-M-E. We spend time with God. 
we get in there and he shows us these things, especially in the Bible that we read, because there are plenty of things that God has revealed to me that when I was young, it just didn't make sense to me. It's like, and even now, certain things, I'm like, I still don't get that. But if we, if we hang in there with him, it may seem mundane, but if we take that time daily to get in and build that wisdom, the understanding that he gives, it just propels you. I don't know exactly how all this works, but I do know that diligence is one of those things. And if we diligently do that, diligently seek him, we know that God is going to take us far. He, he's, he, he can't help it. He's going to put us before kings. But this wisdom and understanding thing, this fear of the Lord, is one of the things that I believe we have just lost in our families, obviously, and in our community. And what I mean by that is we, they're, they're, and I'm going back towards the beginning of what I was saying, we have just totally disregarded God. There were certain things that I remember in our community that we just, there were just certain things we wouldn't say. There was no such thing as, you know, devil worship or any of that stuff. Now, there were certain things we had fun with, but some of the things that I'm seeing now, you know, putting the bosphomet on your arm, or, you know, tattooing that kind of stuff on, you know, just things that we just didn't do. You just knew we didn't do that. But now, we, it, I, more and more I see, and some of these same people are talking about God. Yeah, I want to give praise to God for whatever it is that I do. Again, we have to fear God. We have to put this reverence for God into our children by taking time with them, explaining to them that the world doesn't love you. It's not going to try to help you in, in one way or another. But you have to understand and pray and seek God for yourself and gain this, this, this wisdom and knowledge and understanding in and for yourself. I... There, when I was, the Bible says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, but as a man, and man or woman, you know, you see things from a, a very different vantage point. I remember my grandmother, um, there was this saying that she had. She would say, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you believe. And it, as a kid, I just thought it was the weirdest, funniest thing. I'm like, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. Well, I'm like, I see it. I see the speaker right there. Is there. Why well, I got to uh, just believe half of it? That's a whole speaker. I would think that in my mind. But basically what she was saying, believe none of what you hear. When people are saying things or when things are going on or people are trying to express things to you like rumors or whatever it may be, you don't take that in. You hear uh, only half of that and you investigate it for yourself to get the truth behind it. And you don't become a part of any of that conversation because now you're spreading rumors. And by believing half of what you see, if you see a thing, that may be what's going on, but you don't see what maybe may have happened before that or further off to the side. So just because you saw it doesn't mean that that's what it is. Let me see if I can give you an example of, uh, or come up with an example of what I'm trying to say here about what we see. So someone could walk up to you and they could be dressed very, very well, right? And in your mind, you may be thinking, man, this person has it going on. You don't know if that person has it going on. They look like they have it going on. You may be coming out of a bad situation. 
feeling bad, and that person comes and you feel lower now, the Bible tells us, you know, you don't, you don't judge yourself amongst yourselves. You don't judge, so this guy, you think he has something. Well, my life ain't that good, so, yeah, you know, less hope for me. No, we, we, we shouldn't operate from that vantage point. Don't believe just the things that you see, because a lot of people that you see driving nice, fancy cars, they in as much debt as the next. Now, they might have it going on, but you don't know that. So believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. Those are some of the invisible inheritances that I've received throughout my life. I've received a good name, I've received discipline, and I've received wisdom. Now, some may be saying, Brother Chris, what if I didn't receive all of that growing up? What do I do? Well, what you do is you get on your knees because the God that we serve, he says he never sleeps, he never slumbers. He hears our prayers. He says that the fervent prayer, he hears that. You know, when we pray fervently to God, when we come before him seeking him, if you have a bad name, okay, well, what do I do? Well, you start doing things the way the word says. Be disciplined in your life. Try to be on time. If you are a rabble-rouser on your job, don't do that. You, need, you might need to go apologize to those people. I remember I had a situation, and I wasn't a rabble-rouser on my job, but I had a situation where me and my supervisor, we had kind of, I, I don't know if we had fallen out, but whatever it was he, he did, I had told him that, hey, man, look, don't call me after 10 because the children were still young and, it's after 10 o'clock, and I had finished my work. I stayed late, did whatever, and I guess it was 11, 11.30, my phone rang. I look at the phone. When I saw his call, I was like, well, he must be in jail or something if he's calling me. So I pick up the phone, and he starts telling me some stuff about work at 11.30 at night. And I'm like, I thought I just told you around 7-ish that I was done. I asked you, was there anything else for me to do? So I got really upset about that. And so a couple months had gone by. I didn't want to really talk to him. And you know we were in a kind of a crisis mode on the job. But then finally, I heard the word. And the word basically you know, was telling me I'm kicking against the pricks. I'm kicking against the goals going at this man or feeling as though, in some way, my going at him is going to make something change. And so what I received from that is that you need to go talk to this man. And not only go talk to him, even though I didn't do anything wrong, I thought I was in the right. I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to apologize to him. And say, hey, man, look, I don't know how we got to this point, but I need you to come and ride with me because the job I had was kind of, uh, we had to go to different places. And he did. And by the end of the day, God had turned that situation around. In fact, when we got out the car, my countenance and the words that he said was, he said, man, I had you all wrong. Man, you out here taking care of business. In one day, God turned that whole situation around. So in the same way, if you don't have a good day, name, it may take longer than a day for your name to be changed around, but it can be changed around. It's difficult. It, it's some work. But you can start an invisible inheritance for your own family by doing things the way God says do it. Next, if you're not disciplined, another invisible inheritance, Get on up and get to work. If you, if you are a person that, as I was mentioning, you know, you're not reliable, you got to get reliable. You, you know, I don't know. You, 
ask God, Lord, I don't like waking up at 6 in the morning or 7 or whatever time you're supposed to be up to get to or do whatever it is that you need to do. If that's you, pray. Ask God, Lord, I hate getting up in the morning. Just be honest with him. I hate getting up in the morning. I hate going to work. I don't like doing none of this stuff, but I know I need to do it because I want to be disciplined. I want to give this inheritance to my children and those that are around me so that hopefully one day they'll see that they need these things too. And it sounds kind of dumb and kind of straightforward, I guess, but it's as easy as that. It's not easy, but it's as easy as that. You pray, know that God is hearing you, and you ask him, because, Lord, I want to be disciplined. I want an invisible inheritance of discipline. Wisdom. If you, don't, if you feel like you don't have wisdom or things aren't going the right way for you or every time you make a decision, it's not turning out the way you want it to turn out, most of this stuff came from Proverbs. There's a lot of wisdom in it. A lot of it, you're going to read it, and you're not, you, may, you probably won't understand some of it if, if that's whomever. But by continually reading it and meditating on it and saying, what does that mean? You might have to do a little studying. You might have to go and pull up some words or find out what they're talking about in Hebrew or whatever other language that may have been written in. You may have to go ask some people. I, you know, I want this, but I don't really understand what this is. There are people that can help you. There's a bunch of sharp people here. I'm sure if you're listening, find somebody, ask God to help you find somebody that can help you to decipher what this word is saying so that you can give wisdom. The Bible says, you know, we can ask for wisdom and he'll give it to us liberally. So there's no excuse for us not having these invisible inheritances that God will allow us to have if we seek them. If we, if we seek, we shall find. Knock, and the door shall be open. So though, there are things that we can do to receive this if we haven't received it. Now, obviously, I know I'm not talking to anybody in here. But if I am, we need to, and if we, if we do have this, and we want to stay strong in it, continue asking God for help and strength in all of these areas so that those invisible inheritances that we discussed, that we've talked about, can be available not only to you, but to your children's children. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. Heavenly Father, I pray that it has been uh, effective, Lord, for those that have heard and for those that may hear later. God, we thank you for the diligence of the people that are here, for those that may be watching as well, and we pray for traveling mercies for those that are leaving this place. God, we ask that your people, Lord, will always seek to draw closer to you and that we will remember, Heavenly Father, that the things that we do on this earth, Heavenly Father, they do matter. Even though we are seeking eternal life, Father, we recognize that one day everything that we say, everything that we do will be scrutinized when we are before you. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify you even now. In Jesus' name, amen.